Scripture reading this morning is found in Ezekiel chapter 47, reading from verse 1. Ezekiel 47, and we read from verse 1. The title on the top of the passage is the man, sorry, the river from the temple. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me round the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits, and he led me through the water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to his waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross, because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river when I arrived there. I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river, and he said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region that goes down to the Arabah. That's a deep depression which the Dead Sea lies in. This water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah, where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live. Wherever the river flows, there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Englaim. There will the places for spreading nets be. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. Amen. And God... Ezekiel was a man who chose to obey God, just like Henry Hines. Although he was a priest, he served as a Jewish street preacher for 22 years, telling everyone about God's judgment and salvation, <clears throat> excuse me, and calling them to repent and obey God. Ezekiel lived what he preached, and during his ministry, God called him to illustrate his messages with dramatic object lessons. The book of Ezekiel tells us of the prophet's life and ministry, beginning with his call as a prophet and his commissioning as a watchman of the house of Israel. In chapters 1 to 3, he preached and demonstrated God's truth. In chapters 4 to 24, he predicts the approaching siege and destruction of Jerusalem, God's judgment for the people's idolatry. He challenges the people to turn from their wicked ways 
in chapters 25 to 32, and he also spoke to the surrounding nations, prophesying that God would judge them for their sins as well. The book of Ezekiel also includes a message of hope, as Ezekiel proclaimed the faithfulness of God and foretold the future blessings for God's peoples in chapters 33 to 48, restoring the people to God, restoring the worship of God. After the fall of Jerusalem, Ezekiel delivered messages of future restoration and hope to the people. God is holy, but Jerusalem and the temple had been defiled. The nation had to be cleansed through 70 years of captivity. The author of this book was Ezekiel, the son of Buzai, a Zadokite priest. And this book was written to the Jews who were captive in Babylon and to God's people everywhere. So this word is as alive today as it was then for each one of us. The key verses in the book of Ezekiel are found in chapter 11, verses 16 to 19. It says there, Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them amongst the countries, yet for a little while I have been a sanctuary to them in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from all the nations where you have been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again. This prophecy was fulfilled on the 14th of May, 1948, when Israel became a nation again. So now, Ezekiel 47, verses 1 to 10. He brought me unto the door of the house, and behold, the river of God, full of prophetic influence. In verses 3 and 4 and 6, in the NIV it says, He led me through the water. The AV says, He brought me through the waters. No matter what we are going through today, God will bring us through. If we have faith in Him. Who brought you to church today? My husband, my wife. You are all here. You are all here because God wants you to be in this place at this time to hear his word. You know, Jesus says in Revelation 3 verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I want to say at the start and the finish of this sermon today, the Lord Jesus Christ stands at the door of every heart and asks admission. Is he knocking and asking admission to your heart today? If you forget everything else that is said, please remember this. Have you heard his knocking? Have you asked him to forgive your sins, to come into your heart and to give you a new life, new hope, a new direction, and a new way to live. You know, the river we read of symbolizes life from God and the blessings which flow from His throne. It is a gentle, safe, deep river that expands as it flows. 
to the source of the river. Where is the source of the river? It is out of the temple of God. You know, this river is similar to the river mentioned in Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2, where it says there, And he showed me a the water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne. Sorry, of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded their fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Both of the rivers mentioned are associated with the river in the Garden of Eden, mentioned in Genesis chapter 2. The life-giving water that flows from God's temple can run, as it were, to the sea, to the Dead Sea, and it can restore life. You know, the Dead Sea is a place so salty that nothing can live in it. You can't even sink in it. I remember swimming in it when we were there for a visit to the Holy Land. And when I tried to stand up, I couldn't turn over to stand up. I had to swim to the shore to be able to do this. You know, God's power can bring life and hope to the hopeless and to the helpless, even if we feel we have messed up and we are a hopeless case. God can transform our lives. He can help us to change into something worthwhile for Him. Where the river flows, everything can live. So is the river flowing through us, or is it like a pool, lying silent, stagnant, waiting to be released. I remember a preacher once tell of his visits to the Holy Land and how the Jewish people have irrigated and cultivated the whole desert areas of that land and transformed them into lush, green, highly productive areas that has blossomed. You know, God has truly blessed the nation of Israel and all that they touch. When the water reaches the desert places, everything turns to life. Have you, have I, I ask myself the question, any desert patches in our lives? Have we any desert patches in our prayer life? Have we any desert patches what we do for him. Our daily devotion, our love of God, are there any desert patches? Sadly, I look at myself and I find lots of desert patches. You know, out of him, Jesus shall flow living waters. Living waters means proactive. Moving waters, not stagnant and still like the Dead Sea, where everything flows into it and nothing flows out. You know, the Dead Sea is the lowest point in the world. I was just looking this morning at what it said. I can't remember the figures, but it's definitely the lowest point in the world. And it's quite a deep, salty uh, lake. 
You know, Christ is the temple. He is the door, and from him these living waters flow. So as Ezekiel saw the waters run out from under the floor, under the threshold, from the right side of the house, at the south side of the altar, sometimes, sometimes so, sorry, some commentators think that Ezekiel saw a vision of Calvary and that which was to come. You see, usually it was blood that flowed from the house of God because of the atonement that was made in the temple, the sacrifices of animals. There was much blood that flowed. But now water flowed out just like at Calvary, when the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified for each one of us and each person in this world. His side was pierced and the water and blood flowed from his wounded side. We read this in John 19, verse 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out there blood and water. You know, the power of God was being released. No longer was the healing of God confined to one place and one time. You see, in those days, the high priest could only enter the temple once a year to ask forgiveness for the sins of the people. Thank God that the way is opened up for each one of us through the Lord Jesus Christ dying at Calvary's cross that we can come to him at any moment of any day. You see, God can minister to our deepest needs if we come to him, if we come to the foot of the cross and we ask his help. God has a special work for every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to do, no matter what our limitations might be. So how is our spiritual life today? Is it living? Is it active? Or has it become stagnant and putrid? Are we like Isaac in Genesis 26, Verse 8, 8 and 19, it says, Who needed to redig out the wells his father had found, which were filled in by the Philistines. They dug out the wells, you see. They could not live without water. So how can we expect to be spiritually alive without digging or redigging some wells for ourselves? Well, you may say to me, But I come to church on a Sunday. I'm a deacon. I'm a musician. I'm a doorkeeper. I'm a believer. But the challenge goes out to every one of us in our spiritual lives. Are we just going through the motions of being a Christian? You know, I asked myself this question before I dare ask you. David the psalmist said, Where is the blessedness I knew? When first I saw the Lord, oh, for the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word. You know, the moment I got saved, I wanted to run and tell everybody. I wanted to be another Billy Graham. What a failure, eh? I thank God he made me as I am. I thank God for opportunities he's given me. But I ask his forgiveness for all the times that I have failed him. Right now, ask God to reveal himself afresh to you, and I ask him to reveal himself afresh to me through his word. If you have never prayed the prayer of faith, I challenge you right now to do it. I'm sorry I'm a very direct person. I meet lots of people 
in lots of different situations. And lots of time I just feel challenged to say, have you ever put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? I might never see you again. So it's between you and him. That's why I'm in Gideon's International. As we hand out God's word, we hand out a life-given word that can change lives, that can change people's situation. You know what Pastor Graham said in his kids' talk just a few weeks ago? Just do it. How many have been in church all their life? And they've hesitated, they've heard the word, they've been challenged, and they've walked out that door without a thought. And the moment they're out that door, their back is turned, and they never get challenged again, maybe. You know, these waters signify the glory of Christ, and from whom these living waters flow. Observe the rise of the waters. The man did not trace the stream to the fountainhead, the origin, because every river, every stream that ever flowed has an origin, a starting place. No, the fountainhead discovered him. You know, we may say, you know, I came to Jesus on this day or that day. No, he came to us. And he can come to each one of us in this place today. The waters came out from under the threshold, from under the floor, and ran out in the right hand, signifying that from Zion should go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. In Luke 24, verse 47, it says there, And that repentance and remission for sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Have you, have I, repented of our sins? You know, if we've, if we've never repented of our sins, we can never be saved. Until we realize that we are a sinner, we will never realize our need of a Savior. To be born again, to have that personal experience in our lives when we are under the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we yield our whole heart and life to Him. In Romans 3, verse 23, it says there, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have turned every one into our own ways. God so loved that he gave. We're not as sponges as we come to church on a Sunday that suck everything in. But springs of loving water that give out. So how have you, have I, come into God's house today? Have we come to receive a blessing? I'm sure we all have. But have we come to be a blessing to others? As we look around us, it's so easy to speak to the same people all the time. So easy and comfortable. But what about the person who maybe stands alone? Go and encourage someone today. And you, in turn, will be encouraged. You may say, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but each one of us needs encouragement. You know, if we are up to the ankles like this man was, in the shallows, we need to go deeper. Up to the ankles means shallow experience. No sacrifice, no excitement, no letting down your hair. That's a bit of a job for some of us, I know, but sometimes we need to let down our hair 
and we need to praise the Lord the way that he wants us to. You know, up to the knees speaks of prayer on our knees before God. You don't need to be physically on your knees before God. It is our heart, as it were, that's on its knees. It's not the length of our prayers that count. It's the strength of our prayers that count. I noticed in a church billboard recently I read, it said there, God answers knee mail. K-N-E-E. You get it? God answers knee mail. We need to get on our knees spiritually before God. If Peter had prayed a long prayer when he stepped over the side of the boat, he might have drowned. Before he got the right words out, I always say that ten words changed my life, but three would have done. Lord, save me. I want to tell you, if you're not saved and you're in this house today, don't leave this place without putting your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we need to go deeper till it comes up to our waists and we can swim in all of God's love that he has for us, for all we come in contact with if we allow the waters to come up to our waist. It touches our pockets. It comes up and it covers all of our mistakes. It flows in desert places. Last week I read a little booklet. It was a book I got when I was newly saved. Just a short book. Floods upon the dry ground. If you go on and Google it, you'll get it there. Floods upon the dry ground. This man was a fisherman just like myself. He came from Huna, which is beside Wick. And he turned out to be an evangelist. He was an amazing man. But he told the story of how God moved in revival from Lowestift all the way up the coast, right up and touched the, the coast of Scotland. And up around the northeast, all the places that were set afire. And many, many people came to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, this generation has invented the selfie. You see them all standing like this. Or going like this. It's all about me, me, me. When it should all be about him, him, him. A holy source. Every temple has an altar. The altar speaks of sacrifice, of cleansing, of love. A.W. Tozer says, Worship is a rare jewel found in the church today. Are we falling for what we can get from him? Are we buried under ceremony, under doctrines? You know, to know him is to worship him. I want to worship the Lord with all of my heart. Give him my all and not just a part. Lift up my hands to the King of Kings. Praise him in everything. You know, there are many recipients of these waters over the years. Peter, James, John, Andrew. So many people were in this water. 
You may say, but I'm not much use. I can't speak. There's very few of us that can't speak. Remember Moses, he said to the Lord, Lord, I can't speak. I've got a speech impediment. God said to him, who made your mouth? Moses messed up. He killed a man. God put him in the desert for 40 years. And he fell into grace. David played the fool. King David, he was, he was full of lust for another man's wife. He had a man killed and lost the joy of his salvation, yet fell into grace. Peter the disciple denied the Lord three times and still fell into grace. Most interpreters of this passage suggest that these waters signify the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which went out from Jerusalem and spread to many countries. You know, as we leave this church today, God wants each one of us to go out and spread his word, spread something of the love of Jesus to those we come in contact with. God makes himself aware to us, not all at once, but in degrees. And the man in the vision does not go to discover the fountainhead, but the fountainhead discovers him. No, Christ is the temple. He is the door. From him, these living waters flow. Out of his side, it is by believing in him that we receive these living waters. Living, moving waters. When they measured the waters by a thousand cubits, that's approximately 300 meters. It was up to their ankles. Then next measure was up to their knees. Then up to the waist. Water to swim in. The waters of a sanctuary are running waters, not standing waters like a pond or like the Dead Sea where everything flows into it and nothing flows out. Like a river, the further it flows, the fuller it grows. Our faith is like that. The more we exercise it, the more challenges it will take on, the more it will dare to attempt for God. You know, the church in its beginnings was very small, just like a little river trickling down a mountainside. But now it is full and flowing. And all over this world, God's church is spreading out and touching peoples and changing lives. You know, I remember as a boy in Burghead, we used to hang about the harbor most of the time. And one day we were all in the harbor, and all the rest of the guys that were all older than me decided to jump in to the, you know, as a jetty. It was about, probably about 30, 40 meters across to the other side, and they all jumped in. And they shouted back to me, come on, come on, jump in. It's great, the water's warm. And I jumped in, you know, I forgot I couldn't swim. <laughs> well, three of them came along like torpedoes and propelled me to the side. And as I hung on to the steps, somebody said, come on, out you come. And they waited out there, two strokes out, two strokes back. And I made it out and I made it back. And eventually... I was brave enough to go across to the other side. The same way also, after, just after I was newly saved. I went away to sea on the Sunday night, and I came home on the Friday, and I said to Anne, who is now my wife, she says, where are we going? I said, we're going to look for a prayer meeting. And I went into this prayer meeting, and it was a united prayer meeting of a lot of the churches. And a lot of the old fishermen were there, and they were praying their hearts out to God. You know, I wished, so wished, that I could just say a few words 
and I walked out, and this went on for weeks and maybe months. And one night, I took courage, and I blurted out a few words. And the river started to flow. And it's the same with us and our witnessing and our praying. The more we do it, the easier it will become. I encourage each one of you. We were at the prayer meeting through there in the hall last Thursday night. What a blessing. You know, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, if you've never been to the prayer meeting, it's time that you were. I'm sorry, I'm so direct. You're missing out on the best part of church life. That's the most important service of the week happens through there when we are encouraged and we are praying together for God to come in power in a time like this. You know, nothing will happen in this church if we don't meet together and we don't pray. It's okay to say our prayers. We're going along the road in the car. Lord, keep me safe. But you know, when we meet together collectively, there is power. There is power in prayer. I encourage you. Come to the place of prayer. And this church will be full. We'll be needing seats round about everywhere when God moves and he flows through you and he flows through me. I hope these words today have encouraged and challenged each one of us because I have been encouraged and I have been challenged. May God bless each one of you and thank you for listening so well today. Amen.